Tonight here at, at Ground Zero uh, meetings, we're going to continue down our, our uh, sermon series of going through the Bible. Um, tonight's message is going to be about the book of Judges and how that relates to us even today. Um, <clears throat> this is kind of a fun book if you're a guy, um, because there's lots of craziness in this book. You know, this would be an epic movie series. Like, Netflix could blow this thing out of the park. You know, you literally could make, you know, epic war series, trilogy, you know, bloody mess, you know, massacre. Like, this would be an epic, you know, epic bloody battle movie, you know, or series of movies because it's, it's really along. The, the book of Judges is anywhere from about 300 to 400 years worth of history. So it's not just like a moment in time. There's a lot of stuff going on here, and it shows the repeated struggle of the people. But it starts basically with the, you know, as the rest of the books have kind of been ending and starting, you know, as we had Moses' life and death, and then we went from Joshua's life and now death. You know, it starts with Joshua's death. You know, and, you know, Here's the, the problem as it, it begins is that Moses passed on his relationship with God to Joshua. And Joshua never taught the next person to have a relationship with God. He never raised up the next one to fill his shoes. But, you know, as Mo- Moses ended the book of Deuteronomy with these, you know, warnings and blessings if you follow God then everything's going to be amazing if you turn from God it's going to get really ugly ugly for you and he's going to wipe you off the land well Joshua starts the book of uh, Joshua the same way he's following Moses's you know pattern you know we need to follow God we need to be you know wholehearted about this thing we need to get rid of the tribes that are around us the Canaanites you know are a, a big forefront you know they're into sexual immorality and sexual worship. They're into child sacrifice. You know, they're into some sick stuff. You know, and there's seven tribes that are basically in the promised land that are, you know, basically warnings to stay away from them because they'll influence you. You know, and this is the same type of stuff that we hear when we get saved, when we get sober, people, places, and things. You know, we need to stay away from Specific people, specific places, specific things. Why? Because it's, we're very influential, you know, and it's very easy for us to, in our pride, think we can get close to something and before we know it, boom, we're right back in the midst of, you know, sin and idol worship if you really want to get down to it, you know. So, you know, here's these warnings, you know, the next set of warnings is like, if you follow God, you stay close to me, you follow the law, God's going to take care of you, but you need to wipe out all these tribes. If you don't, God's going to release himself on you, and, and there's going to be judgment and, and consequences. And sure enough, you know, as soon as Joshua kind of, you know, passes away, they're intermingling with the tribes that are around them. You know, there's, you know, they're basically getting to know everybody, and it's like, oh, wow, she's kind of cute. You know, I'll take her as a wife. Oh, hey, I like the way you practice, you know, your God worship, so I'll just hang on to your little idol worship too. You know, oh, you know, I can have a little bit of Yahweh and a little bit of, you know, temple prostitute. I like the way this is working out. 
you know, and they basically intermingled, you know, and right off the bat, I mean, it, it literally did not take them long and they're, you know, basically turning from God, you know, and we do the same stuff, you know, we get saved, you know, there's this moment, there's this radical transformation, and then we go through the motions of religion, we go through the motions of recovery, we get complacent, and we get a little bit closer, and a little bit closer, and we go places, and we hang out with people, and we're doing things that when we first got saved, we wouldn't have done. But because our relationship with God isn't as strong, and we're going through the motions of an idol worship, and our idol is Jesus, when Jesus isn't giving us what we think he should give us, we start looking to other things to fill the void. You know, and we have to stay in constant relationship with Jesus. He's not an idol that you can go through the motions and you behave yourself well enough and he gives you what you think you deserve. You know, and this has been the age-old problem dating back since the beginning of man in a relationship with God. It's, you know, you know, you see it all throughout all these books that God is saying, have a relationship with me, and they're like, yeah, I'll just go through the motions. Because a relationship takes work. A relationship, you know, it, it takes our devotion. You know, a relationship with God is different than idol worship. Because idol worship says, if I do this, then I get that. And see, God is the only God that it isn't about what we get in the sense of natural things, physical things. When we have a relationship with God, we get God. In every other religion, when we have a relationship with God, we get stuff. And we, we minimize our relationship with Jesus the same way because our heart is this idol worshiping heart that's wicked at its core and it needs to be circumcised, it needs to be repented, it needs to be given back to Jesus on a regular basis, you know. So right from the get-go, you know, they're getting intermingled, and there's this pattern. And it's literally the same pattern that we have today, you know, that they have this relationship with God. They start to backslide. They become fully apostate, which means completely running and gunning in the opposite direction. God's not even in the picture. We're just sinning full bore now. And then pain comes, repentance happens, God brings deliverance, he raises up a judge, you know, or brings a judge, brings deliverance, you know, sets them free, peace begins to happen, sin begins to happen, backsliding begins to happen, apostate begins to happen, and it's this cycle, you know, and we do it today, you know, we sin, and if we don't repent, then we're backslidden. If we don't catch it, then we're fully running the opposite direction and back into our addictions, back into our sexual relationships, back into idol worship in many different forms. Pain happens. We cry out, God, where'd you go? And he comes and rescues us. You know, the, the reason why, you know, the, the book is called Judges is he raises up these people that are judges of the land. Now, it's not like a judge, like, go before the judge, your honor, you know, here's your sentence, go to jail. You know, he, his judgment is on the people for their actions, and he's raising up a deliverer 
that's breaking them free from judgment. You know, and there's six main characters throughout the book of Judges. You know, the first three, you know, are pretty righteous people, you know, because the country, you know, or the, the, the tribe of Israel hasn't slidden too far. You know, so you, you, you see them bouncing back a little bit quicker. There's still an element of relationship with God that's still in some of the people. You know, there's a remnant still kind of hanging out in here. You know, you know, and the third judge is a woman, which, you know, is not heard of in this day. Like women aren't, you know, normally portrayed as leaders or somebody that would, you know, be someone that is someone that God uses. So this is like a, a major thing, you know, and it's kind of funny to me is that God couldn't find a man. So a woman stepped up to the plate, you know, and God will literally use anybody. You just have to be willing, you know, and, and that's still t- true today. I know that there's a lot of issues in the church with women and, and leadership and this and that. And it's important that we stick to the word of God, but God uses people if you're willing, you know, and, and you may not have certain roles in the church and it doesn't matter, but your relationship with God can be used all throughout your life in, in different ways. And, you know, as you seek God, God will use you. But after Deborah, there's really this, you know, slide that begins to happen where the next series of judges don't really have a relationship with God on any level. You know, you see that God's raising up deliverers, but they're falling further and further away from God. You know, here's Gideon. You know, here's a a famous person. You know, many of us have heard of this. You know, and he was full of fear and he was doubtful and God came and got him. And then, you know, he found him in the threshing floor because he was hiding. You know, he's like, you know, he's totally trying to escape this whole thing. And God comes and gets him, you know, and... He's like, no, I'm not believing it. He puts out his fleece. He's like, I'm still not believing it. You know, he puts out a fleece again. And finally he's like, all right. You know, and God raises up in him and he, you know, God uses him in a mighty way. Like he completely destroys, you know, the army that he goes against with like 300 guys because they use wisdom and, you know, and and different things. So he basically, you know, destroys this other army with 300 guys some torches and some, you know, noises that they're making. You know, from there, you know, there's the next judge. And he's like, he's like a mob boss in a sense. And he's hiding and hiding in the woods, you know, and it's like he's doing his own thing, you know, and he's taking care of his little territory really well. And like everything's getting crazier and crazier. And they go and, and like, you know, find him. And they're like, hey, will you lead our arm? And he's like, all right, I'll do it. You know, and God uses this guy, but he like doesn't know God at all. Like he's worshiping the Canaanite gods. Like, you know, there's some theories about certain things because he's like, if we win this war, then I'm going to sacrifice the next person who comes to the house. It actually is the next person that comes to the house is his daughter. And he like sacrifices his daughter. Like, it's okay. You know, like, you know, and it's like, there's a lot of craziness going on in the land. You know, there's a lot of mixture that people are so far away from God that they have no idea what they're doing. You know, and even though that they're crying out and there's a remnant that's crying out for help, you know, that 
they still aren't making it back to God. You know, and what we see is that after each judge, no one is raising up the next generation of leaders. So as soon as the one judge dies, everybody slides right back into it, goes back into sin, goes back to apostate, complete, you know, craziness, you know, has pain, cries out, God raises up the next judge, God brings deliverance, God brings peace to the land. But they're not developing a relationship with Jesus. No one's being raised up as the next leader. And it's just the series is going on and on and on again. And here's this little thing that, you know, we see that's missing. Is that there's no discipleship. You know, and we see that today in the New Testament. That Jesus raises up disciples and they go out two by two. And, you know, we're supposed to go into all the world and make disciples. And even in the church today, we're not doing this greatest job of giving our Jesus away. You know, and we see that in recovery, you know, that, you know, we have this spiritual awakening according to these steps and we're supposed to give it away. But so often we like, we're not good enough or I don't know enough, so I don't know what to teach people. You know, but if you really know the history of like Bill Wilson, like before there become meetings every day, he had like no time sober and he's just trying to go help the next person. You know, and there's this element of our relationship with Jesus that we should be trying to help the next person. Just because we haven't read the whole Bible doesn't mean that we know all our doctrine, doesn't know that we know anything really, except that I used to be this crazy sinner. Something happened. This Jesus guy came into my life. This relationship with Jesus started happening. And here, let me tell you about what he's been doing in my life. And that is a powerful thing. You know, you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a church leader to reach out to people and say, hey, you know, I was once like this, this happened, and this is what's now going on. You know, and if they want to learn more, then a relationship is being started. If they don't want to learn more, you just keep it moving on to the next one. You know, so often that we're trying to, you know, witness to people or talk to people about Jesus and get them saved, and if they don't, we ship them right to hell. And it's like, you know, it's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Like, well, I didn't know that much about the Bible, so I didn't bother, and you're going to hell anyway, so hey, have fun. You know, and it's like, wait a minute, back up, because if anybody deserves to be in hell, it's this guy. You know, and Jesus came to get me just like Jesus came to get you. And it's so important that we use what we do have and give it away. Because the history of recovery and the history of Christianity is you give away what you got. So it's so important that we get a little bit more selfless and a little bit self less self-focused and try to help the next person. It doesn't mean we have all the answers. And I, I, tell, I can promise you that it's okay if you say, I don't know. So even if you're trying to help somebody or talk to somebody about Jesus or what's going on and they try to hit you with all these different, you know, theological questions. I mean, atheists know the Bible better than most of us, you know, because they've been defending themselves against it since they were, you know, decided to be an atheist. You don't have to argue with people. You don't have to have all the answers. You know, you do have to, you know, share your testimony. You know, in Revelations it talks about the people are added to the kingdom 
by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. You know, it's not Bible doctrine. It's not, I read my whole Bible. It's not, I have it all figured out. It's not that I did all my steps. It's not all the excuses that we use not to talk to people about Jesus. You're not going to find those in the Bible. What you are going to say is go, you have to be ready to witness at any given moment. You know, and it's important that we are being shining lights, that we are to be the salt of the earth. You know, there's this element that's all throughout the Bible that, you know, we fail and we fall because we're not helping somebody else grow. You know, and when we do, we grow too. You know, so, you know, here's this, you know, very clear message in the New Testament, but it's the same message that we see in some of these Old Testament books is that Moses raised up Joshua, Joshua really didn't raise up the next guy, and then here's these judges that get raised up, and they're not raising up the next guy or girl, and things are getting really crazy. So, you know... As we come into it, we hear, you know, here comes Samson, you know, and most of us are pretty familiar with the Samson story, you know, and we highlight him, you know, as this great epic warrior, but he, he literally was like against God. He, he was called to be, you know, a Nazarite, and a Nazarite is somebody that doesn't cut their hair, doesn't drink, you know, alcohol drinks, and and is pure, and studies the word, he, like, did none of that. He kind of just used, you know, God's spirit that was upon him to do whatever he wanted to do. Now, we see, like, these epic stories of, you know, what Samson had done, but literally he was a womanizer. You know, he was, you know, hanging out with the Philistine girls because the Israelite girls weren't hot enough. You know, he's like basically doing whatever he wants to do. He's touching dead bodies, you know, dead lions. He's eating, you know, honey out of the mouth of a lion. Like he kills a bunch of people with a jawbone. It's like, wee, Samson. But like when you really look at what he's doing, according to what he should be doing, he's not really doing anything he's supposed to be doing. You know, but, you know, God has called him to be a judge, you know, and eventually because of, you know, his cockiness, his arrogance, and his inability to have a relationship with God and not really taking the leadership role that he's supposed to, and that, you know, Delilah comes along and seduces him and kind of tricks him and cuts his hair and pokes out his eyes, you know, they come and they poke out his eyes and he's basically now in prison, you know, and, you know, through that, you know, there's a little bit of repentance on him and he's like, God, use me once again, and he he basically kills more Philistines in his death than he did his life. You know, that everybody gets wiped out because he's basically tied between two pillars and he pulls the pillars down and the roof falls in on everybody and everybody that's in the building dies. And it's like, whoa, go Samson. But it's like, he literally was backslidden his whole entire life. He didn't really have a relationship with God, even though his parents did. You know, and we honor him because it's some really cool stories. But the truth of the matter is, is he basically was running and gunning and doing whatever he wanted to do and basically worshiping God as the, you know, all the tribes that are around him, you know, being sexual and doing whatever he wants to do and, you know, and drinking and partying and sleeping with this girl and that girl and yada, yada, yada. So, you know, once again, God uses whoever. 
You know, we don't have to be perfect to be used by God. You know, and there's times that God comes and gets us whether we like it or not. You know, I mean, if you would have told me years ago that this is what I'd be doing, I'd be like, oh, hell no. Like, I came kicking and screaming. Like, no, like, I want to just party and sleep with girls. And he's like, eh, I think we have a better plan for you. You know, and even in the beginning, I'm like, I don't want this. I don't want to be this religious freak. I don't want to be, you know, you know, any Jesus-y at all. And it was like the more I began to investigate it, the Holy Spirit started moving, and I started getting healed. And I'm like, all right, maybe I'll be doing this stuff. You know, because I, you know, God started to move in such a way that I was healthier and happier in, than I've ever been in my entire life with just a little bit of Jesus. And I was like, okay, there's more to this Jesus stuff than has ever met the eye because I thought it was about going to church. It's not about going to church. It's about a relationship with him. And sometimes we default into going through the motions of recovery or going through the motions of church, and the relationship falls away. You know, And it's the same stuff that we're struggling with today. It's the same stuff that they were struggling with back then is that we, we want to make Jesus into an idol. We want to go through the motions. And when Jesus doesn't give us what we want, we turn to the world. We turn to people to get our needs met in various different ways. And then we fall short. We backslide. We run from God. You know, painful things happen. We cry out to God, where'd you go? And he's like, I've been right here the whole time. But see, now we have this permanent deliverer, and his name is Jesus. You know, there's the symbolism that's going on in this book. It's no different than the stuff that we're going through today. You know, every one of us knows somebody that was following Jesus with us and isn't here anymore. You know, where are they? You know, they're you know running and gunning, getting high. They're in some relationship they shouldn't be in. They're far from God on some level. You know, and, and we pray for them. You know, and at some point, some of them reemerge. They they pop back up and. You know, and what happened? Oh, I, I fell away, you know, and I finally started praying and God came and got me. It's the same story. You know, here's the book of Judges and it's written thousands of years ago and it's the same stuff that we do today. And this is why the Bible is like the only book that it's so relatable because God's breath breathes and he moves from the beginning of its, you know, creation till today. It's so relatable. It doesn't matter where you pick it up. It doesn't matter where you open it up. You start reading it, and all of a sudden, everything that's on the page makes sense to you on some level. You know, within a few minutes, you know, maybe if you find yourself in the book of Deuteronomy or the book of Numbers or you get yourself into some of the law, you know, you're like, I don't get this. But most of the Bible is really relatable within, you know, a few minutes of reading it. You know, and it's the same story is that men and women are broken and they look to the wrong things for freedom and they find themselves trapped in sin and they finally call out to God and God's love and grace, he comes gets us every single time. Like, when you hear people say, oh, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament is a different God, it's like, no, he's not. You know, that there was so much grace that, you know, within this 400-year span, like, they're doing some radical crazy stuff, and he still comes and gets them. Like, if this is the God of wrath that he just wants everybody to die, like, he would have let us all die and said, you know what, I'm going to pick somebody else to, you know, to, to fix this. But no, in his love, in his grace, he's constantly coming to get us when we ask for him to come get us. 
Like, he's faithful in that. Like, over and over again, you read it throughout the Old Testament, is that the second they ask for him to show up, he's like, boom, here I am. You know, so it's important that we're, we're paying attention to the grace message that's interwoven throughout the whole Bible. It's not just the Jesus message that we read in the New Testament, that his grace is throughout it. But our sin brings on our own judgment. You know, we end up judging ourselves, you know, because and sin has consequences, and that consequence becomes our judgment because in our sin, his holiness has to back up a little bit. You know, but when we repent and cry out and say, God, come get me, that's when we can come back in, or that's when he comes back in and we can get out of sin. You know, so it's the same message, you know, all throughout the Bible, you know, and it's important that we're recognizing his grace throughout the whole thing. You know, <clears throat> so, you know, here's this, you know, all these epic battles. You know, there's a lot of bloodshed. There's a lot of wars. There's a lot of people dying. You know, it's kind of a cool book for guys to read. Some of the girls are like, yeah, I don't know about all that. Some of you girls are like, hey, yeah, you know, this is amazing. You know, um, depends on who you are. You know what I mean? But, you know, I personally think that it would be a pretty sweet movie, you know. <clears throat> but in it all, you know, we're, we're seeing, you know, God move in this, all these different ways. You know, and he's constantly coming to rescue us, constantly coming to get us when we're in sin. You know, and it's important that we see that his Holy Spirit moves on people. You know, he, you know, moves it on and through these judges you know, in these men and women of God, and he does the same stuff to us. You know, if we cry out to him and we say, God, forgive me of what I'm doing, you know, and that's why it's important that we have this relationship with Jesus, that it's not about going to church, it's not about going to meetings, that it's a relationship with Jesus that we're developing on a regular basis, that we are getting into our word, that we are, you know, learning as much as we can. So it's easier for us to stay on the, the crazy path of God's will for our lives because if it's just about going through the motion, it's real easy for it to get blurred up real fast for us. And, and, you know, we get distracted and we get, you know, doing and thinking and going places we shouldn't. You know, but as we develop this relationship with Jesus and we stay away from the people, places, and things and we recognize what God is telling us to do through his word and we apply it, you know, God is not a God of yesterday. He's a God of today. And he's a God of, that he wants to have a relationship with us now and help us to be, you know, set apart. You know, and we lose some of this stuff. You know, we're afraid that we're going to be holier now or we're going to be goody two-shoes. But God's warnings are God's warnings. You know, if we hang out with people that are not saved, they can influence in, in crazy negative ways. And it, and and some of us have some friends and family that aren't saved, and we have to, to navigate that line carefully. But if we're letting, you know, going into their ter territory and they're influencing us, we're losing the battle. You know, and it's very easy for us to slip real fast when we get around people, places, and things, you know, even when we think we're not or I'm strong enough to not. You know, it's very clear that if we try to do this alone, that, you know, we fall, you know. And, you know, Jesus sends the disciples out two by two. So if we are going in certain territories, we should take people with us 
because it's it's easier to to fight off temptation when you have somebody there that's like-minded, that's a believer. Doesn't matter how much Christianity they got, it doesn't you know. But it it's like you know, you confess that this is going to be tempting for me, so keep track of me, and, and we go there humbly and say, you know what, I'm about to do something. I you know it's risky for me, you know, and you get in and you get out. You know, if there's certain family members or friends that you have to visit, you know, and then you're you're careful. You know, if you got to go to a wedding or a celebration and there's going to be alcohol or drugs, you know, there, you have to use wisdom. Like, no, I'm not ready to do that. You know what? I'm going to go there with a friend. You know what? I'm going to be there for an hour and I'm going to leave. You know, we have to use the wisdom because if we get too close to this stuff, it's too easy for us to fall just like they did way back then, just like we do today. You know why? Because God's warnings are still God's warnings. You know, we need to be getting, you know, these types of tribes, these types of sexual worship, these types of drugs and alcohol, this type of anger, this type of, you know, idol worship out of our lives. You know, and it's, you know, it's it's prevalent because we don't that we get mixture again. And it's really easy for us to slip. and, and, And it's like, well, what happened? I was trying to do the right thing, but yet... I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I was going through the motions and I got too close to somebody or too close to someplace, too close to things, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm just going to reach out to this idol to make me feel better. You know, and we wouldn't say it's an idol, but it is an idol. Drugs and alcohol are an idol. Sexual relationships are an idol. You know, all these, you know, money is an idol. So I just need a job. Well, no, you need a relationship with Jesus. You know, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, the possibility that you're handling money correctly is usually a big zero. No offense. But I've watched more people that need to get a job for their kids, and the second they get their first paycheck, they're smoking it. You know, that money doesn't go to their kids. You know, and the intentions are right, but we deny the truth in the matter is that I'm not ready for that type of responsibility. You know, if you give me 20 bucks in my early recovery, I'm thinking nothing but something. You know, and it's so important that we humbly walk forward, developing this relationship with God, working on our recovery, working our steps, developing relationships with people that are in the church or in recovery, developing relationships with people that are teaching us. And we're horrible at that. We have all these trust issues. We have all these, you know, relationship issues. And we think that we're going to do this by ourselves. And the truth of the matter is, is normally when we try to do it ourselves, we do it our own way. And our will manifests at some point or another. And we find ourselves right back in the bottom of a bottle or a bottom of a bag again. You know, and, and we didn't mean it. It's like a lot of times we end up in these places and like, how did I get here again? Well, I was doing things my way and my way, my will usually runs into getting high and getting drunk again. You know, and, you know, I've watched a lot of people, you know, that, you know, they're ready to date, you know, but they haven't really gotten healthy. And the next thing you know, they're in an immoral relationship and the emotions that come with that and the shame that comes with it because you have Jesus now and you know what's going to happen. And the next thing you know, there's a, a turmoil in the relationship and we're using it, you know. So it's very important that we we stick to what the Bible's asking us. We stick to the suggestions or the directions that we hear in recovery and that we work through our junk so that we can become as healthy as possible before we take on certain responsibilities 
that we're running after that we don't necessarily need yet. Why? Because we're watching this same cycle in the book of Judges is the same cycle that we do today. We have peace today. You know, we're in church on a Friday night. You know, you can't get much more peaceful than this. No matter what happened today, you chose to be here and learn about Jesus. You know, like, you know, life's not too bad. You know, but if I allow the wrong things in, I can backslide. I could backslide tonight if I wanted to. You know, and if I stay on that path, the next thing you know, I'm far away from God and I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing and then painful things begin to happen and we're like, where did God go? It's like, well, God left the second I decided to do what I decided to do when everybody around me is telling me not to do it. You know, and then we finally say, Jesus, come get us. And he does. And he sets us free once again. And then peace comes. You know, it's the same stuff. You know, it's 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 miraculous to me. Because I used to think the Bible was this book of rules. You know, and, you know, you hear about the Holy Bible. You know, and it's like, ooh. But actually, I started reading it, and I'm reading all these jacked up, messed up people. And I'm like, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. I can relate to that. And God, in his love, is moving through broken people. I'm a broken person. And God decided to start moving through me. You know, we're all broken people and God moves through us. You know, you know, maybe we're not pastors of churches and maybe we're not, you know, doing this or that. But at any given moment, we can respond to God and we can be a light into someone else's darkness, whether we're in a house or whether we're at work, whether it's in our family, it could be Walmart. We never know if we're obedient to that relationship with God and God says, talk to this person. And we're like, oh, my God, here we go. And we step out of our comfort zone. God can move in those moments if we're willing. You know, so it's so important that we're growing spiritually and being aligned to the best of our ability. None of us are perfect. I'm certainly not perfect. I don't live according to the Bible every single second of every single day. I'm not that holy. I promise you. You know, if you you come around me more, you'll see real quick, you know, how Tom's jacked up. And the guys in the back that are, you know, live with me, they're laughing. Because... You know, I'm a sinner, saved by grace, no different than any of you. You know, the only difference is I'm a couple steps ahead of you on the same road. I've been doing this for over a decade now. You know, and I have maintained sobriety and and continued to to follow Jesus. I've had my low seasons. I've had my brokenness. I've had my sin. I've had to repent. I've had to come back before pastors. I've had to do this. And you know what? The only thing that's hung on through the whole thing is I don't let go of Jesus. You know, if I'm supposed to be religiously perfect, I'm not. You know, if you're supposed to be religiously perfect, let me tell you, you're not. But through it all, we can maintain this relationship with Jesus, and we can stay away from things that are temptations. The faster we grow, the stronger we grow, you know. And I love, you know, the big book in sense is I'm spiritually bankrupt, and I have this self-will that's run right. I'm still trying to do things my way. But I surrender my will, and I fill myself spiritually on a daily basis, and I have this daily reprieve from whatever sin you want to fit, fit in that blank. You know, and through that, I grow in my relationship with Jesus, and I grow in my relationships with people, and the stronger I get because I have more people around me. You know, we're not used to having people around us because... You know, we, we partied and we partied hard and our money's our money and your money's my money. 
you know, so we've learned to isolate ourselves the second we could take advantage of the situation. But now that we're in Jesus, it's so important that we're not isolating ourselves and we're getting into relationships with people because generally, you know, people are trying to help us. Now, not everybody in the church and not everybody in recovery is safe. But you should be able to use your discernment, your street smarts, whatever. And within a moment, you can be like, ah, something's off here. And you take a small step back, not a run away. You know, and then you discern it, pray about it. And you know what? Oh, wait, maybe I was being, you know, overly, you know, judgmental. Or I was being, you know, overly, I had trust issues that were raising up where I don't trust anybody. You know, and all of a sudden, you know what? They're genuine. You know, and all of the, you know what? They're not genuine, and we take a different, we take a step back. But we have to get into these relationships because we cannot do this alone. You know, as we see, you know, in this book, they tried doing it themselves. Now, obviously, there was people around them, but they never tried to gain in relationships, build relationships, pass on this, you know, you know, this anointing that they had, this relationship with God that kind of, and you know, in craziness, kept happening over and over and over. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the craziness. I'm tired of doing it my way. I'm tired of the devil running, wreaking havoc in my life. I'm, I'm tired of the devil winning every single battle. And you know what? Is that Jesus won those wars already for us. That we have victory in Christ. If we get close to Christ, we get close to Christ, you know, you know, people that, you know, victories come a lot easier than us doing it ourselves. So it's really important that we're getting in relationships, we're, we're reading our Word of God, we're looking at God's grace through it, we're trying to relate to God's Word, we're applying it to our lives, we're listening to people, you know, to the best of our ability. None of us are going to be perfect, but we got to stop making excuses too. We're, you know, we're real good at making excuses, you know, and we justify our actions. You know, well, I'm in my process. Eh. You know, you were in your process six months ago. It's enough. You know, like you repent or you don't. You know, and that's what we see in here is they refuse to repent. And, you know, it took complete pain and destruction before they finally repent. You know, what I love about Jesus in my relationship today is that I don't have to be in complete brokenness and, and getting high again to say, Jesus, come get me. I start to notice that I'm starting to get off and I can come back to him as fast as I, I walked away from him. You know, I don't have to let complete destruction happen in my life before I get right with him again. You know, and this is so important that we're having this relationship with Jesus and we have the people around us and we're listening to them and saying, you know what, you're off. You know what, you're going, you're doing something you shouldn't do. You know what, you're, you're, you're taking a risk. You know, and it doesn't mean that you have to do everything everybody says, but if some people are constantly telling you some stuff, that you should be trying to pay attention to what they're saying because they're probably trying to, you know, help you. You know, and not everybody has our best interest in mind. Don't get me wrong, but you know, we should pray about what we're hearing and bring it to Jesus and bring it to a friend, bring it to the leader that we trust, and say, "Hey, what do you think about this?" You know, and this is what they didn't do. They just kept doing whatever they wanted to do. You know, and what we see. In the end of this book, is that they did what was right in their own eye. You know, it's written over and over and over again. They did what was right in their own eye. They did what was right in their own eye. They were their own judge. They didn't have anybody to stay accountable to. They didn't have anybody that they were listening to, and they just did whatever they wanted. And I don't know about you, but whenever I do whatever I want, destruction is soon to follow. 
you know, and, and that's something that, you know, hits home to me is that when I do it my way, pain things, painful things happen, you know, and <clears throat> I need to do what's right according to the word of God to the best of my ability. You know, there's a little bit of a wiggle room in there. You know, we're not perfect, but we can be way holier today than we used to be. You know, so we have to stop making excuses on some level. The things that I did when I first got saved or when I first got sober should not be my practices now as I've been walking with Jesus for a minute. You know, I shouldn't be like, well, yeah, you know, you know, it's just who I am. You know, like, no, like, that's not who I am. Why? Because I'm new in Christ. My mind has been renewed according to the word of God. So if I've been, you know, sober a couple of months and I'm still doing what I did as a baby Christian or when I first got sober, I need to really evaluate that. Am I doing what's right in my own eye? And I'm not paying attention to counsel. I'm not paying attention to the word. I'm not responding to what people are saying. Or I'm doing what everybody around me is doing, so it's okay. You know, if we look to people that are in the church or in recovery and we're doing what they're doing, but we know what they're doing is wrong, but now we're doing what they're doing because they're doing and it's wrong and it's okay, I'm doing what's right in my own eye again. Because somebody else is doing it. And this is the same pattern that you see in this book, is that they align themselves with the tribes of people that were around them that weren't following God, that were in sin, that were in idol worship. And because they were doing it, well, I can do it. But God told them very clearly, basically wipe all those people out, get those people out, get those people away from you, because the warning is that they can influence you. So if you have people around you that are influencing you and it's not influencing you for Jesus, you gotta ask yourself why? Why am I allowing these relationships to influence me? Well, because they're getting away with it, I wanna get away with it. You know, everybody around me is having sex, well maybe I can have sex. You know, everybody around me is, you know, smoking spice and they're getting away with it because it doesn't come up on the drug test, so maybe I can do it. You know, like, why am I doing it? Do I wanna keep doing what's right in my own eye? Or do I wanna follow Jesus and let Jesus transform my life? You know, and each one of us has to make that own decision because, you know, he lets us have that wiggle room. You know, he doesn't make us into robots. He wants us to choose. You know, and each one of us has to make that choice. Am I going to do what's right in my own eye or am I going to do what's right according to God's word and, and God's spirit and be obedient to the Holy Spirit, live my life for Jesus or live the, my life for my own desires and let the consequences come because they will. You know, if we get too close, too often, the probability of us slipping is, is high. So, you know, each one of us has to make these adjustments as we walk with God. You know, it's, you know, we don't get super holy one day and then we just maintain that for the rest of our life. You know, life is life. You know, we have our ebbs and flows. You know, every day you run into very, a variety of different people. You know, and some people you buffer, some people you influence, some people you get influenced by, but then how long will I stay influenced by? Do I push it away? Do I pray for strength? You know, this is what we have to do as we grow in our relationship with God. So I just really encourage you, keep pressing into Jesus, keep reading your Bible. You know, if you're new at this, you know, you're new to your relationship with Jesus, stay in the New Testament. You know, I, I know we started in the Old Testament, but... You know, I'm trying to show you how Jesus still applies no matter where it is in the Bible. But if you haven't really read the, through the New Testament yet, just keep chugging away and reading the New Testament. Grow in your relationship with Jesus. Ask a lot of questions. You know, Google some things. You know, you'll be amazed on how God uses all sorts of different media bases today 
you know, and resist your temptations. Stay away from things that, you know, are easy to slip, easy to fall. Stay away from people that are influencing you or trying to drag you in the wrong direction. And you'll thank yourself a year from now. You'll thank yourself a week from now that you're not getting too close to the temptation. You know, I learned that it's not how close to the temptation I can get and resist. It's how far away from it I can get and just realize that I don't need that chaos in my life. You know, I've been addicted to chaos my entire life. So I think I need to get close to it. And the reality is, is I thought peace was boring. Today, I really enjoy peace. You know, I, I can be in my own head. I can, I can be by myself. I can relax and just chill and it's okay. For the majority of my life, I had to be around chaotic people because I needed to stay out of my own head. You know, if you're still struggling with what's going on in your brain, you need to be praying. You need to be working through some steps. You need to go to counseling. You need to talk to somebody that has walked through this a little bit and get into relationship with people that are trying to help you to grow. You know, you're not supposed to be doing this alone. So I just really encourage you. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. Lord, we thank you for, your, you know, how you came and rescued us as you did them. Lord, help us to learn, you know, and, and apply these principles to our lives. As we practice these principles in all our affairs, that we begin to grow. Your principles bring promise. Your word brings promise. Your word does not come back void. As we apply your word to our lives, we begin to grow. Your word renews our mind. Your word strengthens us. Lord, help us to grow in our relationship with you. Help us to grow in our intimacy with you. Help us to be able to retain and recall the things that we read and the things that we learn so that we can apply them to our lives. That your word is the sword of the Lord. Help us to defend ourselves against distractions and enemies and idols and things that are trying to, to bring us down. Lord, help us to have verses that pop out in key moments so that we can use your word to to guide us through this crazy thing called life, Lord. Help us to grow in our relationships. Help us to repent if necessary and come back to relationship with you and to other people. And help us to be the men and women you've called us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.